1: life if you give your heart and believe what is done for you you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through you'll be set for life Here we are in first Kings chapter 8. Let's go straight into it where the ark is brought into the temple in verse 1. Now Solomon assembled, the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the Ark. Then they brought up the Ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, And all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle, the priests and the Levites brought them up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Okay, so they dedicated the temple in this month of Ethnim. It says it was during a feast, it says. Does anybody know what this feast was? I'll give you a big hint. They were moving the ark out of the tabernacle. So what do you think this feast was? Well, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. (laughs) So that's when this all took place. Now, how fitting that this happened during a major holiday when the Israelites celebrated God dwelling with man because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord God, rested on that ark. And so now it was time to move the ark into the temple. But before They could move God's presence in. First, there had to be a lot of sacrifices going on, as we just saw. Now, while we're here uh, on the subject of sacrifices, what was the point of sacrificing animals anyway? I mean, why kill all these animals? What's the purpose behind that? Well, first off, sin causes death, but blood is life. It takes life to cancel death. Therefore, we have these animal sacrifices that had to be made so the blood of a living thing would cover over the death for the people. Now, God had made a command to the Israelites to do sacrifices, and he had three requirements of sacrifices. Number one, the sacrifice had to be spotless, no blemishes or no imperfections to it. Number two, the people had to, had to identify with that sacrifice to transfer their sin over to that animal. Typically, they would rest their hand on the sacrifice animal's head and identify that this is my sacrifice, and it would be a symbolic of a, of a transfer of from the sin from them to that animal. And the third requirement, the sacrifice had to die with the sin upon it. The sacrifice had to die. So, these animal sacrifices, though, they would provide a temporary covering for sins. Uh, you know, a temporary covering. It's like when you, uh, you remember if you ever had to sweep the, uh, the house or something and there was a rug. Well, let's just sweep it under the rug. You know, that's like a temporary deal. That's not really getting the, the trash out of the house. You got to take it out. Well, animal sacrifice was temporary. It's like sweeping it under the rug. It was, it was kind of covered up a little bit, but it wasn't gone. And that's the difference in the sacrifice that Jesus did for us versus animal sacrifice, because Jesus' sacrifice took our sins away. It didn't just cover it like the animal sacrifices did. A more illustrative way to view an animal sacrifice, I want you to think back to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, suddenly they had a sense of shame about their nakedness, and so the Lord gave them clothes made from an animal skin, which means there was another living thing that did no wrong. It had to die to cover those who did wrong. So the animal did no wrong. Adam and Eve are the ones that sinned, but the animal's covering, the animal's skin was given to cover them. So why do you think the priests were performing more sacrifices than could be counted? Probably because by that time, Israel had committed more sins than could be counted. And so the Lord's prescribed order is that his presence on the ark would only enter the temple if great sacrifice happened first. 1 Kings 8, verse 6. Then the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And they are there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And so the priests brought in the ark. They were carrying it by these poles because no sinful man can come into contact with the ark and live. They had to stay separate from it, from where the presence of God was. They set the ark underneath the wings of the cherubim, which were those angelic beings that were built into the Holy of Holies room. And at this time, the ark, it says it contained the tablets of the Ten Commandments, and they were placed there in the ark to remind Israel that they were still under the law of Moses. Now, this Holy of Holies room, it's the innermost room of the temple. It's in the very center. And the Ark still held the Ten Commandments, God's law that he personally wrote on the stone tablets that Moses himself put in there. And that was over 300 years prior to this time. And the Holy of Holies was a place that nobody could go into except the high priest just once a year to do atonement work on behalf of the entire nation. And so when they set the ark inside the Holy of Holies, it says you couldn't see the ark itself, but when the doors to the most holy place was open, only the poles could be seen. Now, why is the Bible telling us all this? Because this is a picture of our holy God's separation from sinful man. Before Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was a great separation. Now remember, when Jesus died, it said that the temple veil was torn in two. That divided man from the Holy of Holies Holy of room in the temple, and it was ripped in half. But right now, we have a picture of God's separation. God was separate. Don't touch me. Don't touch the ark. Carry it with poles. Put it way back in that center room where you can't even see it. I mean, you can see the separation because man was sinful. God was not. So that law was in the ark as a reminder the law says you sin you die. Now all man has sinned, and so that's very bad news in a way. <laughs> but the Lord had said in Exodus twenty five, sixteen, he says, You shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. And so it's very significant that these tablets were still there underneath the lid covering of the ark, down inside the ark, because they were serving as that reminder to the Israelites that they were still under the blessings and the responsibility, though of being obedient to the Mosaic law of Moses there. Now, we recall elsewhere in the Bible that it talks about there was a jar of manna that was in the ark. Also, it was recorded that Aaron's rod that had budded was in inside the ark too. But apparently somewhere along the way, these two items, the the rod and the jar of manna, they were removed from the ark. We don't know why, we don't know when, all we know is, is that the law remained on Israel as the tablets were what still remained inside the ark at this time? 1 Kings eight and ten. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Now this cloud here, what is this cloud? It's pretty much a visible representation of the Lord's glory. His glory filled the house and it showed up as like a cloud because this very same thing happened way back when they had built the tabernacle in Exodus 40 and 34. Let me show you that. It says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay. So this glory of the Lord, it was in this cloud and it was so thick that the priests couldn't even continue their sacrifice work that they had been doing in advance of the Lord's coming in on that presence on the ark. No doubt, the priest's work was very important work, but nothing is more important than the presence of the glory of God. I mean, at that point, any priest that was in there doing sacrifice work, they just had to stop what they were doing. (laughs) And that's what I'm calling this message today, 1 Kings 8. Just stop what you're doing. The priests had nothing that they could contribute when it came to the glory of God, you cannot contribute to God's glory. You can serve God for his glory, but you can't give God anything that he doesn't already have. This kind of reminds me of when Abram, he was knocked out of sleep when God made that covenant with him. You see, it was kind of like God was shaking hands with Abram on a covenant, but Abram wasn't even able to shake. God knocked him out. He was it said a terror overtook him and he he couldn't move God was saying, look, this is my deal that I'm making. You have no input to this, no contribution, no help. Friends, God needs no help from us. He likes us to be involved with his kingdom work, but he does not need our help. And so when you have these priests that couldn't work anymore because the glory of the Lord filled the temple, all they could do was just stop what they were doing. 1 Kings 8 and 12 says, Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. So here, when the glory of God filled the house, Solomon knew it was him because the Lord had apparently already told him about it in the past that he would dwell in a cloud like this. So Solomon obviously knew about when the Lord filled the tabernacle in the same way. And so to Solomon, this cloud here was confirmation Like, yes, here he is. He told me. (laughs) This was confirmation to Solomon that the temple had been accepted by God. Now, I'll bet Solomon was was quite overjoyed when the cloud filled the temple. To get such a confirmation like that must have been very exciting to him because he knew it was going to happen. 1 Kings 8 and 14, Solomon's speech at completion of the work. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people, Israel, out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over my people, Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come for your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled the word which he spoke. And I have filled the position of my father, David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And there I have made a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. You know, Solomon's excited. Look, that testimony, that covenant of the Lord is still there from way back when he brought our people out of Egypt. There it is still. In other words, everything happened. Everything happened that God had said would happen. You know, Solomon explained to Israel at this dedication that God had made a covenant promise that his temple— would be placed in a chosen location and would be built by a certain chosen man, which was Solomon himself. And this temple would house the covenant that God made with Israel when he brought them out of their place of bondage. Solomon was showing the people of God that God promised it. And look, it happened. Friends, when God says he's going to do something, he does it. Even if it's many years later, he will do it. Don't get impatient. When God says he's going to do it, he does it. 1 Kings 8 and 22, Solomon's Prayer of Dedication. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept... What you promised your servant David, my father, you have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand, as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, Let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? Friends, can you see how big God is? Heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain him, he said. (laughs) Isaiah 40 verse 12 says that God has measured the universe with the width of his hand. But Solomon and so then asked the question, how can God dwell on earth? But what Solomon did not have to question was the Davidic covenant, God's promise that someone would sit on the throne of David forever. So Solomon couldn't understand how such a big God could fit in this temple, but he did know you can keep a covenant. And that covenant of someone to sit on the throne of David forever could only be fulfilled by an eternal king. And friends, that would be King Jesus. Now, it's amazing how it is that this eternal king of ours would also be our sacrifice. Now, as we read already, we saw that the sacrifice is because there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Now, remember all the animals, the priests we read about, they were slaying them for the sacrifice. And I know that many of you had this struggle in your mind that says, but oh, those poor animals. I mean, if you were given an animal and said, here, kill this animal, you would have this thought, why kill them? They did not do anything wrong. Well, friends, that's the very point of a sacrifice. It is because the animals did no wrong that they had to die in the place of those who did do wrong. That's what a sacrifice is. Friends, understand that Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, and he did nothing wrong ever. He was sinless, and yet he died for those of us who did sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, friends, does the thought of slaying an innocent animal stir your compassion? Does the thought of Jesus being slain, does that stir your compassion too? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6 says that Jesus gave himself to be a ransom for us all. And in John 1.29, later, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, that's a demonstration of just how much God loves you. I know there's a lot of people that think God is this angry guy ready to slash you into pieces over the slightest thing you do wrong, but he loves you. And he sent his son to die on the cross for your sacrifice. But why? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. He wants to forgive you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross a gruesome, barbaric blood spill and death. So do you have compassion for the sacrifice animals? Do you have any compassion for Jesus? He died for you. You know, I see people shed more tears over those animal commercials where they sponsor an animal and they show the poor little dog or the kitty cat in the cage and they look all sad and, oh, it just tugs at your heart. Friends, does Jesus tug at your heart, the fact that he died? I know a lot of people, I talk about Jesus. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. But, oh, man, those animals, oh. Oh. That's so terrible. That's so bad. Well, wait a minute. What about Jesus dying for your sins? He died for you and he did nothing wrong. How amazing is this? I mean, that he would do such a thing for us to die in our place. That's amazing grace, guys. But understand that before the Holy Spirit of God could come in to indwell you, there first had to be the sacrifice of Jesus, just like what we saw in First Kings 8 already. It says that King Solomon, everybody was gathered there with him before the ark. There was sacrifice and of sheep and oxen. It could not be counted because of the amount of the multitude of it. Then, after the sacrifices, it says, we already read this, after the sacrifices, then the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant and put it in its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple. Friends, the sacrifice has to happen before the Lord comes into the temple. Understand, we who believe in Messiah Jesus, we are the temple of God. But before he will come in to indwell your spirit, which is your inner sanctuary, it is now the Holy of Holies of the temple, which you now are. Before he will come in there, first, the way had to be made by great sacrifice. You see the picture in Solomon's day. The sacrifices were happened too big to be counted. Friends, before God comes to all you, there's a great sacrifice that happened first there too. And Jesus is the one that did that sacrifice. It's too big. It can't be measured. It's a great sacrifice. That's why Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, Ray, that sounds very intolerant because there's got to be 50 ways to heaven. No, there's not. Well, that's very intolerant, right? Yeah. White is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Of course, it's intolerant. The Bible says it. The only way that would work was through Jesus because he was the only one that could be the eternal king who could spill his blood to cover an eternity's worth of sin damage that we all caused. He was the only guy that could do it. Don't be mad that there's just one way. Be glad that there is a way, because God didn't have to offer salvation at all. And so the priests, they were busy, 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 work, 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 doing all these sacrifices because that's what the law required of them to do. According to the law in Hebrews 9.22, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So the priests were in there working hard, doing all the sacrifice work, because that's what the law required of them. Remember, it was in the ark. Here's a reminder. You're under the law. The law said you got to do all the sacrifice work. More sacrifices than can be counted. That's a lot of work. And the ark was carried by poles because they couldn't touch it or they'd die. That's what the law says. God's law basically says you sin, you die, which means we're all in trouble, right? But check this out. Here's the big turning point. This is great. Once the ark was in its place in the Holy of Holies, then the glory of the Lord God filled the temple and the cloud was so thick that all the work that these men were trying to do was put to an end. They had to stop what they were doing because the glory of the Lord God was in the temple among men. Friends, Jesus Christ was sent to dwell among men. And once you believe on Jesus Christ's sacrifice, Romans 6.14 says, you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, the law says you sin, you die. But grace says you live because Jesus died. And so there's a switch that kicks on. When you're not a believer in Jesus, you're under a law. You're under the sin, you die part. You're in trouble. But when you believe in Jesus, you move to grace. That means you transfer over from death to life. That means you leave. Where the law says you sin, you die, you now get under the blood of Christ that says, Jesus died, now you get to live. That's a great switch to have, right? Jesus' sacrifice is what brings the presence of God into your spiritual inner sanctuary and your holy of holies in your spirit, your inner man. But that's when you get switched from being under law, which is the bad place to be, to being under grace. And now that's the good place to be. And friends, grace is where all your work, all your work, 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 busy, busy, busy. I got to try to do good enough. I got to, friends, you're never going to be good enough. You can't. We sin, we die. We've already violated the law. But grace is where your work comes to a stop. That's when it all ends. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel, Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at SetForLifeRadio.com.
1: Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
0: You'll be so-